Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is February 6th, 2023. Welcome to a special edition of Canadian Common Sense and Interview Special. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my man? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, just having a few issues with WestJet and reimbursing for a uh, delayed flight. But uh, other than that, pretty good. Well, glad to hear that. So we've got a special guest on today. We actually had him booked for a couple of weeks ago. Turns out that was his birthday, so I can completely <laughs> understand why he rescheduled. Uh, he's been on this show before. You'll find his website at peoplespartyofcanada.ca. They're on Twitter at peoplespca. The leader himself, Maxime Bernier, is on Facebook, Maxime Bernier, on Twitter at Maxime Bernier, Rumble, and pretty much anywhere else you want to find him on social media. Most importantly, he's here with us today on Canadian Common Sense. Uh, belated happy birthday and welcome back, Max. Thank you very much. Yes, you're right. Uh, January 18, that was my birthday. I turned uh, 60 years old, but uh, I'm happy. I'm, I'm in shape. I try to stay you know in shape and uh, working hard that's what i like traveling across the country so that day the day of my birthday i had a little surprise from my wife and that was fun but i'm very pleased that i'm able to be with you today and by the way i like the name of your show the common sense there's a lack of common sense in our country these days oh certainly is and when we started the show that was actually why lewis wanted to go with that name because there wasn't any, and there still is very little, but here we are. So. <laughs> but, but we are there. We are there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So uh, let's get right into it, Maxime. Uh, the World Economic Forum recently had their meeting in Davos. Now, you have been there it's a, quite a few years ago when you were there. Uh, what From what we're told, it is everything from, oh, it's just a, basically a trade show for all the, the rich socialists of the world, to it's a global cabal of all the reptilian people in the Rothschilds who are here to control everything we do on earth. What actually happens there? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, you're right when you said that I was there, actually, when I was a member of parliament, a conservative member of parliament. Uh, at that time in 2008, I was a foreign affairs minister. And if you remember at that time, we were in war in Afghanistan. And as you know, you know, our Canadian forces didn't have the, the right equipment and they still don't have the right equipment. And so uh, my task was to meet my foreign uh, counterparts, other foreign affairs ministers, and ask them to help us in Kandahar, in Afghanistan, with, uh, with uh, planes, with uh, uh, equipment, and I said, you know, okay, the best way to meet all these foreign affairs ministers at the same time would be in Davos. And yes, so I was in Davos for that. I was in Davos for our Canadian forces. I did not assist uh, at these, all these uh, meetings that they had. My goal was to have a discussion with, uh, you know, foreign, foreign affairs ministers from London, from all these countries. I believe if I still remember, I had about 32 meetings over two days. And actually that was successful because we had the Dutch, the French, uh, the, uh, the, the um, uh, United Kingdom that helped us in Afghanistan. 
So I didn't have the chance to assist. And I'm very happy with that because you know, I don't share the philosophy of the World Economic Forum. It's all about globalism. It's all about centralization. It's all about, like you just said, big business people and politicians together, and they try to impose their point of view on us. So that was that at that time, and that's still that today. So, and, and as you know, they had another meeting a couple of weeks ago, and for them, they have a solution for everything. They don't believe in a nation state. They believe that we must have a day, uh, you know, supranational government. And as you know, I believe in sovereignty. First, the sovereignty of the individual. People must be able to do what they want to do with their life without any government intervention. And after that, that's the sovereignty of the state. You know, in Canada, our decision must be made by Canadians, members of parliament, and not by an international organization like the World Economic Forum or the World Health Organization. Uh, you know, these non-elected bureaucrats don't have anything to tell us and to, we don't have anything to learn from them. So that's their goal. But when I'm saying that, people must say, Maxine, you know, oh, it's a little bit too much. They don't want to have a world government. Yeah, but look at the history in Europe. Uh, they started in 1959. They had an agreement, all these countries in Europe, to have a free trade agreement. And that was great. That was good. You know, uh, you know, goods and services were able to, you were able to buy something from another country without any tariffs, so more freedom. And that was great. But, you know, they had a free trade agreement. And after that, they had other agreement, other agreement. And 45 years later, they created the European Parliament. They created a supranational parliament in Brussels that it's telling other countries what to do. And that's why you had a couple of years ago, Brexit in UK. People in UK said enough is enough. We want to be able to be sovereign and our decision must come here and not from, from the, the European parliament or the European community. So after 45 years, they were able to have a supranational government and they still have that supranational government in Europe. So the UN and the World Economic Forum, they cannot impose anything on us. They cannot impose anything on Canadians on, or on our government, but <clears throat> that's their goal. And they want to be sure that they will have a supra-international government. But, <clears throat> you know, the influence of the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization is very, very huge in Canada right now because we have a socialist government with the NDP and the Liberals, and these politicians agree with everything coming from the World Economic Forum. And, you know, freely, uh, Trudeau decided to implement that in legislation here in Canada. So that's why you need to have the right politician in Ottawa, politician who will defend our sovereignty, and politician who are gonna say no to the World Economic Forum. And that's the position of the PPC. And we are the only national political party in Canada who is very clear about that. You know, the UN wanted to impose a global compact on migration. For them, migration must be normal. You know, you can be a citizen of any country if you want. 
that's not what we believe. It must be a privilege to be Canadian. And because of that, we have mass immigration now in Canada. We must Luke, say no to the income Sorry? I think Lewis wanted to jump in there, didn't you? Uh, yeah, well, I was just wondering, like, with uh, how, how does an organization like the WEF get, gain such um, influence over uh, governments around the world when? Oh, you went mute there, Lewis. Crazy. And I mean, we heard some of them, um, some of the things that, like, even Christia Freeland said yeah. in her speech at the WEF this year that uh, I found actually quite appalling. Um, and you've got uh, things that even Klaus Schwab himself have said, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, by 2030, you will own nothing and be happy. Um, and so how does, how does an organization like this that says such crazy things um, actually gain so much influence over governments? Is it just the promise of power? Yeah, they have, you're right about that. The World Economic Forum uh, had and have huge influence in here in Canada with our politicians and in, in other countries. Uh, they are part of that. Why? Because it's simple. They believe the same philosophy. These politicians in Ottawa, Freeland and Trudeau, they think that they know better than you and they know what is good for this country. And they strongly believe in centralization. They believe in socialism. So for them, you know, they, they share the same point of view. So when they, they are coming back to our country in Canada, they are very happy to implement these new ideas in, a, in, our, in our legislation. So it's because they, they share the same philosophy. Uh, you know, politicians, and I must tell you that the best compliment that I had is when somebody told me, Maxime, for me, you're not a politician. You're an ordinary Canadian. You don't want to be politician these days because these politicians, they, they, they crush your rights, they know better, and they want to implement these crazy policies. But they strongly believe that when they're doing that, they're doing that for our good. And you know, but for them, when all that would be enforced, that would be the exception. Look, all these rich billionaires are going there by private jet. And so what about you know, carbon emission? <laughs> it's not important for them. But you know, it's supposed to be the end of the world if we don't stop the climate change and all that climate emergency. We don't buy that. But answering your questions, they share the same point of view. They share the same values. Okay, now Max, uh, you talked about implementing policies that you know policies for us and not for the rest of them. Now uh, I want to dovetail that into the Freedom Convoy. I mean, one year ago, you were in Ottawa when the Freedom Convoy was there. And the whole reason the convoy started was the government decided to implement a vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers, which was completely unnecessary, in my opinion anyway, and the science has actually ended up on our side. Now, there was always a talk about a lack of coherent leadership with the uh, Freedom Convoy. And I know they had said really early on they did not want any political leader speaking for them. Um, now, I know you talked to a lot of the people on the ground there do you think that was a mistake on their part? Do you think they could have benefited from having someone like you or Pierre Poiliev or Aaron O'Toole speaking for them? Would that have helped? You know, it was a spontaneous movement uh, started by with the truckers. But I must be honest, started a year before that. 
You know, I did rallies all across the country in small towns and big cities and speaking about freedom of choice with doctors and nurses. And, and we built uh, all the freedom fighters across the country, built a momentum. And when that happened to the truckers, that was enough. You know, the truckers said, you know, I don't understand when we didn't have a, a vaccine in the beginning of that pandemic, we were essential workers. We were the only one who was able to work. And, you know, they shut down the economy. And these truckers were able to bring us, you know, uh, food and, and supply and all that. And after that, a year after that, Trudeau was saying to them, you know, you're not essential anymore. And now if you want to cross the border, you, you will need to be double vaxxed. And they said, you, I don't need that. I can cross the border. And if, and they said, it's, it's not logic because your vaccine is not working. It cannot stop the transmission. Everybody can catch COVID-19 and everybody can, can share it or, or spread it. So, so at that time we had the science and we knew that. So that's why the truckers said it, enough is enough. And the population across the country were very upset with all these lockdowns and stay at home orders. So when, when all that happened in Ottawa, the, the Freedom Convoy didn't have a real leader. They had a couple of people, but you know, didn't have a real leader. And I was there. I was there every weekend. I delivered speeches. And uh, because the, I, I started that also when it was not popular to speak for freedom of choice in March, 2020. But Polyev, speaking about Polyev, Polyev is a career politician. He was elected the first time at 24 years old and, uh, and he's been elected for the last 25 years. So Pierre Polyev is an establishment politician. And when he saw that it was popular to be on the side of the truckers, he decided to do a photo op with a trucker in his riding near Ottawa but he was not on the ground with us. That's why Polyev is an opportunist politician. We are not, we are doing politics by conviction. Uh, we believe that we have the best ideas for this country. And if they are not popular today or politically correct today, we will speak about it because we believe that the more we speak about our ideas based on convictions and individual freedom and personal responsibility, the more popular they will become. And, you know, if I'm looking at the past, it, it's right, because we started that party at 0% in 2018, 1.6% of our first election in 2019, and uh, in 2021, 5%. This party is going at every election, and we don't look at the polls or the focus group. No, we, we have a strong vision for this country, believing in Canada first, in Canadians, smaller government, more autonomy for provincial governments. So speaking about the Freedom Convoy, I was there, that was normal for me to be there. But as you know, that was not a protest, that was a celebration. People knew at that time that some, some, something will come from, from that convoy. And we were right. We were right because a couple of weeks after that, Saskatchewan started to and the mandates after that, Alberta and other provinces. So that was a, a great, a peaceful civil disobedience that we had together. And we said to these establishment politicians in Ottawa, you know, 
these buildings in Ottawa, this country, you don't own our country. We own that country. This country belongs to us and we want changes. And so that was a strong message and it happened, something happened a couple of weeks later. So that's why for me, celebrating the one anniversary of the Freedom Convoy, it's a great celebration. Uh, yeah, I, that, I was, that was a great moment. And I, and I agree with you, uh, uh, Max, on, on uh, you saying that uh, to get your ideas out there, and they might not be popular right now, um, but the only way for them to become popular is to talk about them, uh, because um, that's, uh, you know, that's how any idea becomes popular, like you've got to present it and people should be allowed to talk about it. Uh, right now in our country, we don't seem to want that. Um, not obviously, I'm not talking about us individuals here on this show, but uh, in general, it doesn't seem that like the, like uh, Canadians are uh, like they want people to have free discussion on ideas anymore. It's it's Lewis, you went mute. Oh, there you go. Uh, support for uh, censorship and online censorship. And if the Freedom Convoy taught us anything, it was that uh, the opponents of freedom will stop at nothing uh, to keep us from being free and from discussing free ideas. Uh, I mean, the, the media played right along with it, uh, you know, calling everyone there Nazis and uh, you know, making things up, like saying that the uh, protesters were trying to burn down an apartment building um, and that there were rapes and stuff like this and sexual assaults. None of that happened. None of that happened. But yet, uh, so when you do try to talk about ideas that are not popular in Canada, we get labeled with these with these disgusting terms. And uh, and our federal government is even now trying to pass legislation where they would be able to censor any opposition online. Uh, it, that does, that's not what it is to live in a free country. So how do you, as a leader of a party who seems to be targeted by these kind of hateful uh, people, um, how do you get past that? How do you get your message out there? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The Trudeau government uh, tried to control a little bit more what we are seeing on social media. And, uh, and so also, as you know, there's only one narrative in Canada, a, a leftist narrative. If you're not part of that, the mainstream media won't cover you. But the good news is, you know, I'm speaking with you. I'm speaking with alternative uh, media, uh, Rebel News, uh, True North, uh, Western Standard, and more and more people are looking for their news uh, to the alternative independent media. So that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's good for us because it's a way for me to promote our ideas. But also I must say, uh, I'm traveling across the country building the party, being ready for the next election. It may be this year, it may be in 2025, I don't know, but this party will be ready. We'll have a candidate in every riding and Canadians will be able to vote in line with their values 
and supporting the PPC candidate. That okay. being said, that being said, uh, when I'm traveling across the country, uh, I try to uh, uh, speak with the local uh, newspaper, uh, traditional newspaper or the local radio station. And usually uh, they will uh, have me on their show. I will be able to have an interview with them. And so at least for the traditional media, I'm able to communicate our ideas through local traditional media. Uh, and, and I use the social media and I try to do interview like that. But yes, that's the challenge of today, uh, censorship. Uh, on Twitter, I was Shaluban, but now since uh, uh, Musk bought Twitter, uh, it's a little bit better. Uh, our viewers are growing and we have more and more people. On uh, Facebook, I'm Shadowban. On Instagram, I'm, Sha I'm Shadowban. Um, it's, it's, it's very difficult. That's why I'm saying to people, if you like what I'm saying, please, you know, try to find one of your friends or one of your family who doesn't know the PPC because there's still a lot of people uh, who don't know that we exist as a new political party. So I count on people to be able to go on our website, People's Party of Candidacy, read our platform because it will be the same one at the next election. That's why we are doing politics differently. We won't create a new platform based on survey or focus group before each election. That's okay, the platform. Actually, and uh, we, uh, we are asking people to promote our ideas uh, like me and like our candidates. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute, Max. Now, um, Candace Bergen has recently announced that she is stepping down as an MP. Now, in 2021, the People's Party of Canada candidate in Portage Lisker pulled 21%, which was your best performance across the country. Yeah. Is this a good opportunity for Maxime Bernier to uh, make a move out to Portage La Prairie? This is a good, this is a good, a very good opportunity for the PPC, I must say. Actually, you are asking a good question because this weekend, starting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and after that, the other weekend, I'll be two weekends in that riding in Manitoba, in Winnipeg, meeting our people, building the organization. And we want, we want to be ready for the by-election when that will happen in that riding. Concerning me, uh, as you know, uh, I may run outside Quebec at the next uh, general election. Uh, I'm looking at some ridings, yes, in Manitoba, in Northern Ontario, uh, we'll see. Uh, I believe that I will have to take that decision this year and uh, to be able to be there and to work in, in uh, the writing that I will choose. But yes, the party will work very hard in uh, Portage in, when uh, the by-election will come or and before the by-election. That's why I'm going there this weekend and next weekend and I'll see and we'll try to have a very good candidate for that by-election. Louis? Yeah, when do you expect to announce uh, your candidate for that uh, by-election? I don't know. Uh, you know, Trudeau has uh, six months to uh, do the, to call the by-election. Uh, so I'll look at it. It can be the next couple of months or weeks, but we uh, I will have to decide if I'll be the candidate or if it will have another person as a candidate. Uh, it's, uh, it's a discussion that I will have with the team over there this weekend. Okay, fantastic. So um, if there is an election, a general election this year, you said the PPC is ready. Um, I stated on this show that I think there will be a general election. I think it will be later in spring in, in May. 
um, one of the key issues is going to be affordability. And you being from Bose, you are right in the middle of supply management country out there. And there are people right now who are actually making a case saying supply management works. We're not paying an arm and a leg to buy eggs in Canada. We're not paying an arm and a leg to buy milk. It's only up 13%. And then we see a video of a farmer being forced to dump a ton of milk of his own surplus because he's not allowed to sell it. So is supply management working? I mean, prices are, are lower than the Americans in some ways. So what, how do you answer that? No, it's not working like that video that you're uh, seeing that I, I believe that everybody saw that video. A lot of people saw that video. Uh, and uh, that's why I understand that the dairy producers produce a very good product, very good milk, no hormones. And I believe it's a better quality than the milk in US. That being said, they must be able to export their surplus. And they're not able with that system right now. That's why, you know, when they have a quota and if they produce more than the quota, it's going down the drain uh, and it's sad. So let's have a look to that, to change that system. And that's a proposal of the PPC. We want, you know, to lower the price for these products. It can be lower more than, than what we are paying right now. We want producers to be able to uh, export their products uh, yes, we will have to buy back their quota, uh, and uh, we can do that. But, you know, the dairy producer, the poultry producers, and the eggs producers are the only one that have a kind of a privilege like that. They fix the pre of their, uh, of their products, and they are selling for the Canadian market. But the beef producers, they, they, don't, they don't fix the price, and all these other uh, uh, producers, they're, they're in line with the market and they can export their products and that's great. But let's look at that and uh, it's time after, you know, that uh, program or cartel, because it's a real cartel, it's a government cartel, it's a legal cartel, and this cartel have, have been put in place by Pierre Elliott Trudeau, uh, so in the 1970s. So we need to look at it and I believe it would be better it will be winner and better for the consumers and for the producers. Okay, Louis. Yeah, Pierre, Pierre Trudeau did love his supply management. I mean, he also uh, imposed the uh, Canadian Wheat Board on Western Canadian farmers. Uh, and interestingly enough, it only affected Western Canadian farmers. Uh, and they weren't allowed to uh, sell outside of the Wheat Board. Um, yeah. Luckily, Stephen Harper did follow through on that promise of scrapping the uh, the yeah. wheat board, and he did that. and And in the end, it worked out a lot better for everyone. Absolutely, and I I, I must say that it's sad, but is that is the only legacy coming from the upper government. And so, it if we did that with the wheat board, we must be able to do it also for the, the cartel in supply management, poultry, eggs, and, uh, and milk. But you're right, that was a great reform, a good reform, and Trudeau was not able to uh, redo or re-implement the wheat board. It's done, that's it, and that must be the same for the uh, supply management system. We must be able to dismantle that system, and that would be good for consumers and producers. Like, you know, I remember when we had that debate about the wheat board, I was a conservative MP, and uh, 
people are saying, oh no, that will be the end of the world. We won't be able to sell our, our, our product and blah, blah, blah. That, that did not happen. I believe that the, the producers out west are very happy and you know the system is working now like like uh, other uh, other system. So you would do the same with supply management. You would uh, break down the cartels and allow producers the freedom to sell to whomever they want. Absolutely, absolutely. That's part of our proposal. And if people uh, want to know more about that, they can go on our website, People's Party of Canada CA. Click on the electoral platform, and uh, they're going to see uh, supply management. Two pages, they can read it. It's very clear. I said that in 2019, and it's the same position. Okay. Um, also on your platform, you are the outlier, again, um, not only in that you talk about freedom and, and believe what you, you actually say about it, you also have a much different take on immigration than what the Trudeau government has. Um, right now, they've got McKenzie and, and others uh, telling us we need to take in 500,000 new immigrants by 2026. You have an idea, a number in mind that's one third of that. How do you back that up? Yeah, uh, absolutely, you're right. We uh, are the only party that is against the mass immigration. The Conservative and Pierre Polyev, they're okay with that, the NDP also. For us, you know, when you're in a country of 38 million people, half a million people every year starting in 2025, that's mass immigration. The worst of that, the worst is that 75% uh, of them are not skilled immigrants. Skilled immigrants is, uh, is a person that will help us to build the economy. It will be an immigrant that will come here because we have a job for him or her because an entrepreneur wasn't able to find a Canadian for that job. Only 25% of our uh, immigrants are skilled immigrants. 75% of them are refugees or coming on the reunification of family. Uh, you know, so we need to focus more on skilled immigrants. I said, you know, 150,000 with the, the opposite ratio. 75% of them must be skilled immigrants and only 25% must be refugees and people coming on the reunification of family. That will yeah. help. Because that sounds that, a lot like the, the point system, Max. Are you in favor of going back to something similar to the, the point system for immigration? Absolutely, absolutely. That's something that we must do. That was very successful. And as you know, the impact of mass immigration, it's on everything, on, on our social services, on our housing in the big cities and other cities also. These people must have a house, must have an apartment. And so that's why prices of... Uh, apartments and renting and, and houses is going up and we need to stop that. The only solution is, say, is to say no to mass immigration. But Polyev, Trudeau, uh, Jack Meek won't do anything about that. And we are the only party that said, okay, let's solve that because that is creating other problems for housing, for our health care services also. So, and we, we cannot, we don't have the, we don't we cannot support all these people that are coming here we are paying the price as a society right now do you think max that uh that the time is coming where facts and um doing what's right is going to take precedence over being politically correct uh because i mean a lot of this including the immigration issue is really a political correctness issue. 
because um, we're not supposed to be opposed to people like just just mass immigration, just opening our borders and accepting people. We're supposed to be in favor of that because if you're not, you're you know you, uh, you you're, you're, a xeno, you're a xenophobe or a racist, right? Um, so, do you think with how our our, our, our institutions are all breaking down at the moment, uh, whether it's healthcare, whether it's um, uh, housing, whether it's uh, just our, our, our welfare system, everything seems to be breaking down right now. And do you think that that's going to lead to Canadians just wanting to do what is right rather than what is politically correct? Yeah, I, I like what you're saying, you know, uh, doing what is right. Uh, you, you have a point there. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you uh, the conservative and Pierre Polier, for them, they won't do what is right. Their goal is to do what is popular. And regardless of the facts, regardless of the science, regardless of reason, look at COVID-19. You know, it was popular during COVID-19 in the beginning of that pandemic, to do these lockdowns and stay at home orders and all that because the, the government used fear and propaganda. And at that time, 65 to 70% of the population were okay with lockdowns. And that's why the conservative party didn't, did not oppose on that. We, we, we were the only real opposition because we are doing what is right, popular or not. But yes, these political parties are just do, do, doing what is politically co correct or what is right. So what we must do, we must change the public opinion. And on immigration and, and on COVID-19, we succeed. Now, you know, if they try to impose this uh, winter a lockdown, it won't happen. And people are saying no to the third shot or fourth shot, or they understand now. But we, we were successful to change the, the public opinion. And that's the most important because these traditional politicians are just looking at polls and focus group. They're doing what is politically correct and what is popular. We are not as a political party, we are the exception. So that being said about immigration, I just want to let you know that in Quebec, we had that debate for a long time on immigration level. Uh, at the last general election at the provincial level, you know, a party was saying, 30,000 new immigrants, the other one 50,000, the other one 70,000. And we had that adult debate and nobody was saying you're racist or xenophobe. But when I started that debate in 2019 outside Quebec, that we are a national party, they were saying I'm a racist and xenophobe. But now the good news is the logic and the facts, people must look at it. You know, common sense will prevail and it's coming because I can tell you, I've read the Global Mail three weeks ago, and I saw two pieces in the Global Mail and people were leftist journalists, for, for me, they are leftist uh, activists, but leftist journalists were saying, mm, we must question half a million dollars. You know, that's having a huge impact on our social services and housing, and we didn't have a debate about that. So that was great coming from the Global Mail. Uh, so it started, and uh, but I don't count on the conservative, the NDP, or the liberals to 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 have a policy on immigration based on facts and based on on the good for this country. Uh, they want to buy okay. vote, they, and the conservative for winning, 
Polyev will need seats in near Vancouver and in the big GTA in Ontario. And there's more seat near Toronto in Ontario in the GTA than in all Alberta. And in these ridings, we have new immigrants that are there and they want to see their mom, their grand, grand, granddad, their brother, their sisters coming to Canada and they ask for more immigration. So Polyev won't change because he wants to have these riding and that's the only way for him to be prime minister. So okay. his goal is not to have the best policies for the future of this country. His goal is a short-term goal to be prime minister. And that's why they won't speak against mass immigration. But at sure. least, you know, next time at the next general election, when I'll speak about that, maybe the, the Global Mail and these journalists won't call me racist anymore. And I will be able to have more visibility and will be able to influence more people. And a day when we'll have 50% of the population saying no, I can tell you that these establishment politicians will switch. That, that's, that, that's the name of the game, but okay. not for us. We are not playing that game. No, good to hear that, Max. Um, I appreciate your position on that. I know our time is limited here, so I want to move on next to just the bureaucracy in general. Now, Lewis, you had touched on the fact that mass immigration is really hurting our healthcare system, it's hurting our social safety net, and the size of government has grown exponentially under the Trudeau government. And now this is something you and I had talked about before, Maxime, with if you got to be prime minister tomorrow and you had a majority government, would you dare to, to tell Ottawa and tell the mainstream media that you're actually willing to cut bureaucracy, you're actually willing to cut some of these programs, shut them down and actually start over? Um, conservative politicians are so famous for saying, we can run your crappy government bureaucracies better than the next guy can, and they do nothing to change them. Will you commit on this show to fire bureaucrats and start again? Yes, I will. Yes, this part of our platform. And contrary to Pierre Polyev and the conservative, Polyev said that he likes a big government. Polyev wants to be a good manager of a big government. That's him, and he won't cut the budget. You know, before COVID, the federal government budget was $990 billion less. And we increased the budget since COVID by $90 billion. And that's still there. And Polyev is okay with that. Polyev said, you know, uh, for each new spending, I will cut one spending. For each new dollar of spending, I will cut one dollar. What he's saying, he's okay with that big budget. He will freeze the budget like that. He will keep that big government. We won't. We will cut CBC. We'll save $1.2 billion. We will cut foreign aid. We'll save $5 billion. We will cut corporate welfare. We will save $8 billion. We will cut all the COVID programs because we don't need them anymore. Maybe the big majority of them are not in force anymore, but you have to look at it. We will have a smaller government. We will balance the budget. That's the most important. We will balance the budget. And after that, we will lower taxes and we won't interfere in provincial jurisdiction. People out West, they will be able in their provincial government will be able to do what they want to do without the federal government telling them what to do. We will cut the, the carbon tax. We won't have a carbon tax because we won't, we will withdraw from the Paris Accord. 
and Poliev won't withdraw from the Paris Accord because it's not politically correct. So, okay, now Max, yeah. Um, just uh, before we get uh, too far in, Lewis, I think you had a question about the Polyev factor, correct? Yeah, uh, well, because the, the last time you were on the show, you had mentioned that uh, uh, conservative leaders tend to go left after being elected as leader. Um, we have not seen that yet with Polyev. He, he, for the most part, he still is saying the same things he said when he was running for the leadership. Um, do you think that that will change during a general election? Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, Polyev is a little bit more intelligent than Utul. We must admit that he is a better communicator than Utul. Uh, Utul did do a 180 degree, degree changes just a month after being the leader. But Polyev doesn't need to do that. And so he will do it, I agree with you, maybe the month, only the month before the election, when you see his platform, and I can tell you fiscal, uh, conservatives and common sense conservative will be disappointed at that time. There's no rush for him to change that. And actually, he has to do polling and focus group. And you know, that can change. So why having a platform right now, if the public opinion in two years or in one year can be at a different place. So for him, he's doing politics by survey. So he will wait. And when the time will come to have an electoral platform a month before the election, after, after being, do, doing a lot of uh, focus group and polling, he will have his platform. And you'll see that platform will be for Vancouver and Toronto. And at that time, you'll see it will move uh, to the left. And on immigration, that would be the same position. On, the, on the, the climate hysteria, it would be the same position. All that like the liberals. Uh, so we, we have a huge... If people are ready to vote for bold reform, we are the party for that. On immigration, we are the only one that is different. On, on climate change, we are only one that has a policy saying no to, to uh, the, the Paris Accord. We will withdraw from that. And so on a lot of policies, and I believe you're right about that, Poliev doesn't need to change right now. You just have to wait and he will wait. Okay, um, one more question I want to ask you, Max. Uh, back, uh, you and I are both old enough to remember Jean Chrétien being prime minister. And in the days leading up to the Kyoto Accord, Jean Chrétien has bragged about Canada's boreal forest being a carbon sink, and then went ahead and said, let's ratify this thing anyway. Do you like the idea of Canada's carbon sinks since we soak in way more CO2 than we could possibly produce in a lifetime? So yeah, is that a good reason to get rid of a carbon tax? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as you know, we produce less than 2% of the carbon emission on this planet. So if we do everything, we won't save the world. And I believe that more and more people understand that. Now they are promoting you know, all these alternative energy. And look what is happening in Europe right now. They don't use gas anymore. It's more you know, uh, solar and winds, but it's not sustainable. You know, at night, there's no sun. And when, when the wind is not there, you don't have any energy. So we need oil and gas, and we will always need it. And we have a lot of oil and gas, and we must be able to export it, to use it. And, uh, and we don't need to bother about uh, carbon capture or, or, 
or, or all that craziest, you know, carbon, like I said, <laughs> CO2, it's what I'm emitting right now when I'm speaking to you. CO2 is a food for plants. So it's, it's not pollution. It's not but pollution. We must we be actually, clear about that. Yeah, and planet Earth right now is actually greener than it has been in hundreds of years. And it's because of the elevated CO2. And, and, yeah. and the one thing that people forget to mention is, is that a slightly warmer climate, which we can't really stop anyway, uh, means that our growing season in Canada gets extended. We can grow more of our own food. Um, and less people die of heat than they do of cold. If, we, if yeah. they think that they can actually reverse this and start making the, the earth cooler, uh, you're going to end up with more people dying, not less. And when I see, you know, the WEF and the WHO and all this espousing their, you know, their their theories on that we're overpopulated and and that they got to control everything and have 15 minute cities and and all of these kinds of things. Um, maybe that's their plan. Maybe, maybe they think, hey, we got to cool this place off so we can get rid of some of these people. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know. Let's hope not. Yeah. But uh, so, um, so Max, how do you uh, how do you get us out of the Paris Accord? How do you to claw back some of these ridiculous policies of Trudeau that we will be completely yeah. electrified, but yet still not use oil and gas in one of the coldest countries on Earth? How do how do you right the ship? Yeah, I'll do like Trump did. You know, when Trump was elected, he said, "No, we're not part of the Paris Accord anymore. Thank you, bye bye, and that's it. I will do that." And I'll send a letter to the UN. And I said, Canada is not part of that agreement anymore. That's it. And after that, we'll repeal all the legislation that Trudeau, uh, that Trudeau passes, uh, passed uh, about the climate change and all these crazy legislation. So, and now, we'll cut all the subsidies that, going with that. How easy is that to do, Max? You've been a, you've been a member of Parliament, so how easy is it to uh, simply repeal this legislation? Do you have to go through the Senate? Do you have to go through the the Supreme Court. I mean, these are people that have all been appointed by Trudeau and certainly won't be on Team Bernier. No, no. What you do, what you do, you have to pass a legislation. You pass a legislation, you have a debate. And, you know, when, if you're elected, uh, and that was part of, our electoral, of your electoral program, you have the legitimacy to do that, to implement it. And, you know, <laughs> our platform is always the same and was always the same and will always be the same. So, when somebody will vote for a, a candidate, a PPC candidate, people will know what we will do when we'll be in office and we'll do that, we'll pass legislation and implement our platform, our, our vision for this country. Well, this discussion has been a breath of fresh air for me, Max. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, really, I really do like what you have to say. I always have liked what you've had to say. So uh, I want to really thank you for being here today and joining us. That was it's excellent conversation. Now, Max, thank you. For, for yeah, those, of us, those of us listening out here in Canadian Common Sense land, what can we do to support you? What can we do to, to find out more? We've got your website, peoplespartyofcanada.ca. Um, full disclosure, I am a member of the PPC. Um, Maxime and I have met in person a couple of times when he's been in Saskatoon. And uh, Max, uh, just uh, a compliment to you. Uh, for those of you who've never met Maxime, he's actually a really down-to-earth guy. Um, I've always enjoyed our conversations. You're the first political leader 
and I've been a member of political parties for 30 years now. You're the first leader that actually sent me a Christmas card. So, so thank you for that. You are definitely <laughs> doing politics differently. So um, how can we learn more about you and uh, where do we go? Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I like what I'm doing. We have a great team, great members. And, you know, this party is growing because of people like you. So people, yes, can follow me on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, Maxime Bernier, or People's Party of Canada. And the best thing, they can go on our website. And I want them to take maybe 20 minutes. Go on our website, People's Party of Canada, let's see. Click on platform and you'll see all our ideas and our policies. Each one of them, it's only two pages. You have the facts and the challenge and our position. And it's clear and, and we, are, we are telling you why we need to do that reform. So if your interest is in climate change, go and read our climate change policy. If it's in healthcare, go and read our healthcare policy. If it's in uh, immigration, go and read our immigration policy. You know, I want people to know the People's Party. And if you like what you're reading, uh, you know, speak about it. And, and more people will be able to, to read our platform. I believe that more people will vote for us. But I want to thank you for this opportunity. It's always great to have a discussion with you guys. Well, Max, th thank you so much for stopping by again today. And I hope we can talk again in the future. We will. We will. Have a nice day. All right, Thanks, take care, Max. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.